So there was once a, a South African company who wanted to order this, this new printing press. So they, they ordered it from the United States, and they, they sent this massive giant... Have you guys ever seen like the printing presses in a newspaper or seen it in a, in a movie or something? I mean, they're massive beasts of a machine, very complicated. And they ordered this brand new printing press. And when it all got in, they got all their, their smartest and the brightest, and they began to assemble the printing press. They put it all together. And when it was done, it just wouldn't work. They couldn't get it to work. Nothing they would do. I mean, they gathered the smartest people in their country to look at it, and they could not figure out how to make this printing press work. So finally, they shot a message back to the company in the United States that had sold it to them and said, listen, guys, we can't get this thing to work. You have to send somebody out. So the company sends out, a technician, and when the technician gets there, the, the South African company owners are looking at this guy. He's super young. And they're like, I don't know if this guy's going to know what he's doing. So they sent a message back to the American company and said, hey, guys, you guys sent, must have sent us your youngest technician. He's, he's too young to have the experience and the knowledge necessary to fix this thing. Please send somebody more experienced and older and wiser. And their response was, he's the one that made the machine. Let them fix it. You see, that's what we're going to deal with today because these, these owners of this company rejected the maker of the machine. How many know if you made the machine, you probably know how it works, how it's supposed to operate, how it's supposed to do the things that it's going to do. But these people had rejected the maker of the machine. And, and I wonder how much worse is it when we reject our maker, our creator? when we reject his wisdom, when we reject what he has for us, when we think that we know it better. But that's really what Paul is going to be dealing with throughout the rest of this chapter, is how people have chosen to ignore God and instead replace him with other things. They replace him with other men to become their gods, or they replace him with animals who, and insects who become their idols, and they begin to look up to things that are created instead of that which is the Creator. And as a result, we're going to see that they begin to be given over to their debased minds. You know, that's the interesting thing about God is that He's a perfect gentleman. He doesn't impose Himself into your life. You have to make the choice to follow Him. You have to make the choice to serve Him. And He's not going to make you or anybody else do anything. And if you really want to walk away, if you really want to push away, God will let you walk away. One of my favorite scriptures when Jesus was talking, says how I, how I hope to, uh, to gather you in like a hen gathers in its chicks. And I love that because you know, you're not thinking about a fishing net which catches everything. You're thinking about this, 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 this hen trying to pull her, her chicks in with her wings. And the thing about wings is they're just big, long feathers. They're not very sturdy. And, and even on the feather themselves, it's little pieces of... of Feather, I guess. What do you call that? <laughs> but it's, it's, it's little pieces of little stuff that doesn't have it. You can stick your finger through a feather. So this hen is trying to gather her chicks in, but if they really want, they can press through. God will encourage you to bring you in, but if you really want, you can press through. You can run away. You can get away from him. And the problem that these people are having is that there is no excuse. We're going to learn that they're not able to say the excuse that, you know, when, when we stand before God, when, when it's everybody's time, if you didn't know him, if you didn't accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not going to be able to say, I didn't know there was a God. I didn't know. What the says is that 
there is no excuse. That's why I entitled this without excuse because everybody who lives on this earth is without excuse. He is evidence. God is evidence in every single thing in this world. You can't look at the intricacies of how the human body works or look up at the stars in the sky and think that this just happened. That there was no maker or creator, designer. As a matter of fact, over 50% of all science believe that there is creator some sort. They may not believe in our God, but they believe that some created because you can't look at the sky and realize, I mean, this stuff just happened. So let's go ahead and, and get started. The first verse we're going to look at today is Romans chapter 1, verse 18. And it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So let's get this in context. Let's, this is where we ended last week, and it was Romans 1, 16 through 17. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, for faith as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So we see that there's, there's two different camps beginning to appear, if you will. There's those who embrace the gospel and and those who embrace unrighteousness. And those who embrace the gospel will see that the righteousness of God is revealed to them in their faith and by their faith. But those who are unrighteous, and how many of you know how you get unrighteous? Just by not placing your trust in Jesus Christ. And to get righteous, all you have to do is place your trust in Him. It's not about the things that you do. It's not about the way that you live your life. It's about what Jesus Christ has accomplished. And don't get me wrong, when you accept Jesus, when you have saving faith, your life will change, and out of that change will become a life that is lived in righteousness. But what's happening here is we have two camps, those who have accepted Jesus, and by faith the righteousness of God is revealed, and those who are unrighteous and and by their, their rebellion are going to have the wrath of God revealed against them. And here's the thing is many of us, particularly uh uh, people that aren't Christians have a hard time with this idea of the wrath of God because you've probably heard the argument, if, if God's a good God, why is there evil in this world? If God's a good God, he wouldn't send anybody to hell. And I agree, God's not sending anybody to hell. People are choosing to go there of their own volition. But here's the thing. God is righteous. God is just. God is true. And he hates sin. And the reality is there is a penalty for sin, there is a payment that is required for unrighteousness. Romans 6.23, which we'll get through in a, a quite a few weeks, we learn that the wages of sin is death. We've probably all heard that. There is a payment for sin. There is a, there is a wage that is due, and it's death. Next week, we'll probably look into it a little bit more deeper, but in Romans 2.5, it says, But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. The reality is is that people are storing up wrath for themselves. There is a a penalty for sin. There is a, a wage for sin. And it's not because God is smacking people. It's because God cannot coexist with sin. There is no light and dark. The two can't coexist. We see that in our, our daily lives. It's when you turn on the lights, Dark goes away. They can't coexist in the same space. It's either light or dark. And the worst part is, by acting and choosing to live in an unrighteous manner, they are rejecting God. They're suppressing the truth. 
by the very act of their unrighteousness to bring this upon themselves, but not just for themselves, but even for others around them. You know, that's the thing that's the scariest to me is because uh, how can somebody else hear the truth when everybody around them is speaking lies? When everybody around them is telling them that sin is okay, it's okay to live this way. And if you don't live this way or think this is okay, I mean, that's one of the, the, the most damaging things of this, the, the feminist movement right now is, is they, they begin to tell women that they can do whatever they want and, and you know, take advantage of your sexuality, you can do whatever you want, but there's a downside to that. Everyone's speaking lies, telling them it's okay, but there's damage that comes from that. And then we, we have issues with, with uh, in the news we have right now, uh, uh, what's that, uh, that Hollywood mogul that, that kind of started the whole Me Too movement right now? Weinstein. You know, we have everything that's going on in him, and, and he's, he's, called, he's forcing women to, to uh, sleep with him so that they can move on in their career. But then on the other hand, feminism is saying, well, if that's what a woman wants to do, it's her body, it's her right, she should be able to do that. We don't see that there's a disconnect. There's a, how can you have both sides of the coin? We don't see that, and neither of those is right. He's an idiot. He punished. He should be put in jail the things that he's done. I'm not for one second saying that that is okay. But when we have moral ambiguity to pick what is right and what is wrong, especially when we live in a world where everything right now seems to be right. Do whatever you want. Can somebody learn the truth around them when everything around them is telling them that a sin is okay, morality is okay? And that's something we have today. Not only do we not have a problem with sin anymore, but we're actually beginning as a society to endorse sin. I mean, you can just watch the news and see it. It's just last week, Democrats um, shut down a bill that prevented elections after 20 weeks. 20 weeks, that's five months, y'all. That's five months. I, I looked up a picture. I wanted to be clear, like, what does a baby look like five months? It looks like a baby. Yeah, it's, it's got everything. They're, at that point, it can feel pain. And no, we, we, we want to have late-term abortions. We want to be able to kill babies. And not only have we turned a blind eye as a society, but we actively approve of this stuff. This kind of attitude is running rampant. We see homosexuality and transgenderism or gender uh, dysphoria being actively propagated and applauded. And before we get all high and mighty for us, we call out, you know, the big sins, all the stuff that Christians stand against. But we see less shocking sins being passed over every day, even in the church. Most people, and shockingly even Christians, have no problem with living together with somebody before they're married, having sex with somebody before they're married even though that just introduces all kinds of problems and heartache, particularly in your marriage moving forward. We don't blink an eye at this stuff anymore. But the reality is, is that this is, this is and it's, 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 the crazy thing about it is God isn't telling us not to do things because he wants to ruin your fun. It's because he wants to protect you and keep you safe. And the truth is, all these things will damage you, will cause pain, and they will cause harm. In Romans 1, 19 through 20, it says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. This is one of those scriptures that I've read so many times, and, and uh, this is actually the scripture that I think about when, when people ask the question, but what about people that have never heard about Jesus? Ask, what, what about them? If they've never heard about Jesus, how can they get saved? God wouldn't do that, would he? 
The reality is, as the Scripture says, they're without excuse. They may not know about the name Jesus, but they do know that there's a God. They do know that they're, that, I mean, we live our lives and, and everybody understands that they're missing something, that there's a hole somewhere, that, that there's, I mean, we wouldn't have so many gods uh, made up by men across the world if we didn't realize that something about us is missing. And the reality is, is people recognize that they have to call out to God to be saved. They realize they can't do it on their own. So will they be able to call in the name of Jesus if they never heard of him? No, but they can still call out to God. And besides, if they haven't heard of Jesus, it's not their fault, it's ours. Because we've been called to go out into the nations and make disciples. It's our job to share the gospel with them. But the reality is, is those who live in unrighteousness are without excuse. The world testifies to the existence of God. That's what it says right here. His invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. One of the things that I chose for the background of these slides and also the, the background of my, my thumbnail for this, uh, the beginning of this, this message is I chose just a beautiful forest because I look in that and in, in a forest you see so much life. You see a complex ecosystem of things that have to work together, that are put together to, to work together in a certain way. And if you don't have the different pieces of it, then a, then a forest can fail. And to imagine for one second that this just kind of happened, one day sprung up out of, of, of primordial goo, to, to make this happen just blows me away. The, the fact that this world exists the way it does and how things work together. Did you know that, that uh, our sun isn't even that big? Like you begin to think about how small stuff is and how big stuff is. You know, you can look at the human body and we have stuff in our human body that is smaller than atoms, which we can't see. With even the most powerful stuff, we can't see an individual. We can't see electrons. We can't see neutrons. But even those are made up of something else. And they get so tiny. But then our universe is so incredibly expansive. And we think about, you know, we think about our, our solar system and the sun. Like we can't even send somebody to Mars yet. It's just too far. But if you think about the expanse of the actual universe, our sun, there are suns out there, there are stars out there that we could fit so many of our suns inside of to get an idea of how many you could fit is if you took quarters and laid them down over the entire state of Texas, you could stack them three deep. And that's how many of our suns would fit in some of these other suns. How can you look at something that's that's massive to that complex and think that there is no God? The, the world is evidence of God, the, hand, the, the evidence of a creator. In addition to that, our lives testify to the need of a Savior. We live our lives, and even before you knew Jesus, you, you still understood right and wrong. You still understood failure. You still understood mistakes. I've heard some say that they don't believe in God. I don't believe there's a such thing as a true atheist. I don't. I, don't, I just, it, I can't comprehend how you can actually believe that this just happened. It's funny. They tell me, I don't believe in God. And I say, well, I don't believe in atheists. And say, well, you're looking at one right now. And I say, so you're telling me that something can exist even if I don't believe in it? So, <laughs> the reality is, is that 
that God testifies to his existence. Romans 1, 21 through 23 says, For all they, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resemble mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. He's speaking of the lost, those who chose not to honor God, the unrighteous. And unfortunately, they, they ignored every single thing about God. They ignored everything in this world that testifies to God, and they began to speculate on what could be causing these things. And the interesting thing to me is in those days, they attributed everything to God, right? Like not now, particularly in, in first world countries, we, we believe in science, but back then everything was attributed to God. And uh, I mean, everything, rain, love, war. I mean, there was a little fat guy running around with an arrow. Matter of fact, we're getting ready to celebrate Valentine's Day. <laughs> but the more that they looked elsewhere, the more their heart was darkened. Because when they were looking for light and stuff that isn't light, you can't fill yourself up. When they were looking elsewhere, things got worse. And the interesting thing is, is that God did not separate himself from them. You know, most of us, when we feel like God's not in our lives, one of two things has happened. One of them is our perception is wrong because God is always there. We, just because we don't perceive him doesn't mean he's there. Or the worse is that we begin to walk away. We begin to push away. And the reason God's not there is because we're holding him at arm's length. It always perplexes me when people make the argument that if God is good, why is there evil in this world? If God was good, why do bad things happen? I'm like, we've been running from him for so long. What did you expect? We've been pushing him away for so long. What did you think was going to happen? And now today is full of people that are claiming to be wise, but they're actually fools, right? They're claiming to be wise. They became, became fools. You ever, you ever read the, the scripture and you're like, man, are you sure that this was written 2,000 years ago? Because I'm pretty sure they're talking about some people I know. And then when you get a little more mature in your faith, you go, oh wait, he's talking about me. But today is full of people that are claiming to be wise, but they're actually fools. And the reality is, is if you turn your back on God, you're acting foolish. And then in verse 23, we see that they exchanged God for, for anything. They exchanged God for the glory of, uh, the, of the, uh, excuse me. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man. They began to exchange the image of the creator for something he created. Like man was made in the image of God, maybe that's good enough. It's not just in case you're taking notes, not good enough. Animals, birds, creeping things, becoming idols, not good enough. It's not God. And even in this modern age, people are putting their trust in worshiping other things. You know, in the United States, you don't hear much about people worshiping uh, animals or statues. There's still some people that do, but you don't hear much about it anymore. But there is a boatload of people worshiping our government right now putting their trust in our government, putting their reliance in our government. Or even worse, how many people see themselves as the God of their life? I tried that once. You know, it's funny because 
I was quasi-Christian during this time. You know, I, I, I had an intellectual knowledge of what was going on. And, and in my first 20 years of, 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 saving, of asking God into my heart, I spent most of it with maybe just enough faith to be saved, but most of the time not really. I was doing whatever I wanted. And, and uh, I'm actually pretty good at a lot of stuff. God's blessed me to have technical ability and, and, and all of these things. And I figured, well, if I'm good at all this stuff, what do I need God for? And the funny thing is, is that God is so patient and he's so graceful. And he's like, maybe he'll grow out of it. And he, he, he walked with me for a while, you know, and, 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 but nothing changed for me. I, I worshiped myself. I was selfish, figured I could take care of everything. You don't believe me, ask my sister. She'll tell you. That's all you can ask her, though. Don't ask her about other stuff. <laughs> But uh, then I think God finally said to me, you know what? You think you got it figured out? Go ahead and give it a shot. And he stepped back. Or rather, I pushed him away. And my life imploded. Turns out, not a very good God. And uh, yeah, my life was, I mean, financially, my marriage, everything was, was in, in ruins. And by the grace of God, I finally stopped acting wise in my own mind. And begin to trust him. And my wife and I, we put Jesus first. And everything has changed in our lives since then. Our marriage is stronger than it's ever been. Our relationship, our financial situation, our friend situation, our free time situation. Everything has improved since we put him first. So many people see themselves as the God of their own life. They can't figure out why they're in a mess. G.K. Chesterton said this, the danger when men stop believing in God is not that they will believe in nothing, but that they will believe in anything. Romans 1, 24 through 25 says, therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature, the creature, the creature, <laughs> rather than the creator. Listen, you can't laugh. They're spelled almost identical. The creature, rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. <laughs> you know, I don't believe that God is, is actively judging the world. There are many people think that all these natural disasters and all these things, this is God trying to punish the world. I don't believe that for one second. And, and that's what I mean by I don't believe that God's actively judging the world. Because if he were, if God was sending tornadoes and hurricanes and all this stuff to, to judge America or whoever they, got, you know, they feel like needs to be judged, then he did a pretty poor job in Jesus because Jesus satisfied the wrath of God. That's what the Scripture says. God poured out his wrath. So either Jesus was enough or he wasn't. So I, I don't believe that these things that happen. You know, you know why these um, get hit by hurricanes? Because hurricanes happen in the ocean and they're on the coast. And even if it, if, if it was God too, and then on top of that, he's got some of the worst aim I have ever seen. Like, I'm going to punish these people. And like, whoop, I was a little to the right. The red light district in New Orleans is fine, but all the good places, we wiped them out. My bad. The thing is, is that God satisfied his wrath in his son. But I do believe in what I refer to as a, as a passive judgment of God. And what I mean by that is I believe that 
When we push God away, he'll let you have his way. And that is a judgment because living without God is a whole lot worse place to be than living with him. And that's what we see is happening here is this God gave them up because they had decided this is what they want to do. And this is all because they begin to worship that which was created and not the creator. Their eyes were in the wrong place. And this is why we have to be so diligent in our own lives to make sure that Jesus takes the preeminence in our own lives. Because anytime you take your eyes off on Jesus and put them on something else, you'll begin to see stuff falling apart in your life. And most of the time, it's little by little, because right here, Jesus is right here, you're focused on him, and like something will happen like right over here. And, but it's not that far off, so it doesn't look that bad. The next thing you know, you're looking way over here, and you look up, and you're like, what happened? And things are falling apart. You have to keep Jesus first. Make him the preeminence. You have to worship the creator, and not all these other things in our lives which we deem to be important. Because God is a perfect gentleman. He's not going to force help on you. He's not going to force you to love him. He's not going to force you to serve him. He's not going to force you to come to church. He's not going to force you to pray. He's not going to force you to be in fellowship with other believers. He's not going to force you to share the gospel. You have to make that choice yourself to serve him. You have to make the choice yourself to love him. And the, the reality is, is that God will, will keep there and he'll keep nudging you in and and you're going to have people trying to bring you back in. You're going to have leaders talking to you. You know, God will talk to you through leaders when they're trying to, to nudge you back in and get you, your, your, your eyes back on track. God will speak to you, to other Christians that you look up to, your, your friends in the Lord. He'll, he'll speak to you through those people. And sometimes God will just speak to you while you're reading his word. You're going you're to see something and you, you, you'll know when God is speaking to you. On a side note, if you never read your Bible, it's difficult for God to talk to you through it. So you should probably be doing that regularly. But if our eyes are in the wrong place, he will let us walk away. He'll, he'll do things to nudge you and bring you back in, but he's never going to force you. And if you're not careful, you can wake up and find yourself in a position that you never, ever wanted to be. Now, the good news is, is if you ever find yourself in that position, God will always take you back. He's always waiting with open arms. You can see a perfect example of that in the story of the prodigal son. And when he came back, he was expecting to be yelled at by his father. He was expecting to be, to be put into slavery by his father, but instead his father opened his arm and, and welcomed him back and restored him to where he was. And, and that's how God is like. Even when we fall away, even when we, we make mistakes, if we put our eyes back on him, he will go ahead and draw you back in and put you right back where you were. Amen? In verses 26 through 27, it says, For this reason God gave them up for the dishonorable passions, for the women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. See, this is the, the wrath that was spoken of in verse 18. When he says that the wrath is... So we'll go back to verse 18 here. 
He says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. This is the wrath that's being revealed in their lives. That's what it's talking about right here. There was no fireballs. There were no floods. There were no explosions. The wrath that came upon them as they were left to their own devices. They were left to their own minds, their own lusts. And, and without Jesus, we're some screwed up people. And we do some dumb things. And there's always a price to pay for trading the truth for a lie. And receiving the due penalty is emotional and physical. And you see that all the time. Right now, you know, this is talking about uh, homosexuality right here. We also see that right now that in, in uh, uh, those who are transgender, before or after surgery, they have the, the, the highest rates of suicide of almost anybody in, in the world. They're, they're, it's like above 50% they still have a suicide rate whether they are, had the surgery or not. There is a penalty for living in sin. There's an error in these poor people. Their, their minds are, are being destroyed. And these are the acts. These acts are the result of turning from God. And it seems to me that that's what our country is going through right now, collectively. We're seeing that happen all the time. And it always amuses me when people claim that the Bible doesn't say anything against homosexuality. There are some churches who agree in homosexuality. They think it's okay, and somehow we're misinterpreting God's Word, and it doesn't say that. But I don't know how you can read this. and inter- There's no room for interpretation here. This is pretty cut and dry. They exchanged their natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. Men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. There's no silver lining to this. There's no alternate way to interpret it. But even though that homosexuality is a sin, it doesn't mean that we hate people that are caught up in that sin. The reality is, is you were caught up in all kinds of dumb sin too before, just because yours wasn't as as obvious or, or as you know, something that we today consider to be super horrible doesn't mean that we weren't wrapped up in sin ourselves. And the good news is is there's no sin that's not too big that that Jesus can't take care of. There's no issue in our life that if we turn ourselves over to God and give ourselves... The Scripture says that when you receive Jesus Christ, that you are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17, that should be something you have memorized. You are brand new. Whenever you find yourself slipping back into the old person, begin to pray and thank God, no, I'm a new creation. I am forgiven. I am free. I have been made brand new. This isn't who I was. This is not who I am anymore. This is who I was. And our sins are no different than theirs. It's just another sin. And as far as God's concerned, sin is sin. We're the one that categorizes sin. The truth is all sin will keep you separated from God. And we need to see these people through God's eyes. Because the reality is, is he died for them too. So that they could be made whole. That they could be made brand new. They don't have to stay where they're at. They don't have to stay and receive the penalty for their error. God can restore them and redeem them and make them brand new just like he did with us. But make no mistake, there is a penalty for sin. Now I thank God that as as uh, Christians, we are forgiven. Even when we sin, even when we mess up. And what I'm talking about, this penalty for sin, is not. I'm not referring to to those of us when we fall, because the Scripture says that the righteous man falls seven times and he gets back up seven times. The Scripture also says that we have an advocate in Jesus to the Father. We have someone standing up for us. We've been redeemed. But when we choose 
and willfully live in sin, that's a problem. And there's a penalty for that. There's, there are consequences to those things. And you can think of all the terrible things that could happen to you, depending on, you know, pick any number of sin and what are the terrible consequences that could happen. But the worst is that God will let you walk away and walk in it. And you'll be separated from Him, not because He doesn't love you anymore, but because you chose to walk away. In verse 28 through 31, it says, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. And they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. You guys see that? Disobedient to parents, (laughs) foolish, faithless, Heartless, ruthless. This is, you know, it didn't stop at homosexuality. There's a whole list of things that they were turned over to in their debased mind. This is a whole list here. And I think you guys need to understand the implication of what he's talking about right here. This is not ignorance. This is not, oh, we didn't know. It says that They didn't see fit to acknowledge God. They knew there was a God. They knew there was a requirement, but they chose not to see fit to acknowledge God. So God gave them over to to their debased mind. Debased is not a good word, just in case you were wondering. It's not like he gave them over to a messed up head, and they did all kinds of stupid stuff. And we saw earlier they were without excuse. They knew that there was a God, but they didn't acknowledge them. And they began to do things that they should not have done. And I'm disheartened to say when I look about this, this stuff is happening in our world today, in our country today. And we see the very things that we should hate become very much commonplace. And you can look at this list and say, no, even in an immoral country, we don't, we don't let these things happen. You know, even, even people that aren't Christians don't agree with these things. I mean, for instance, no one approves of murder today, right? Well, we just read about that bill that was passed to allow babies to stop babies after five months from being... this is They were trying to stop babies after five months being aborted. But we, that, that's murder. Did you know that this is from uh, uh, September 28th in 2017, uh, the WHO, it's the World Wide Health Organization, released this statistic. It said, worldwide, 25 million unsafe abortions, which is 45% of all abortions, apparently there are safe abortions, occurred every year between 2010 and 2014 according to the new study by, by Hu and Guttmacher and Stute published today in The Lancet. So if you extrapolate that, that means that 55.5 million babies are aborted per year. That's a lot of murder. And this was between 2011 and 20, or 2010 and 2014. I, I promise you, the number hasn't gone down. So we do approve of murder in this society. We're, we're beginning to be led over to our debased minds as a culturally and the truth is is that american politics is built around deceit we've become jaded to this stuff We've, we've just let it go and it breaks my heart to see that we don't take a stand anymore you know one of the things that i think is really affecting this country right now is how many of you guys have ever heard uh don't discuss politics or religion with friends at a party or at dinner. Have you ever heard that? 
You want to know what's happened because we all think that way? Nobody has the ability to dis religion or politics. We can't do it and have an honest discussion and share with people. Instead, everyone gets offended and upset and they run off and, and need a safe space and all kinds of stuff like that. We can't have communication anymore. We can't talk anymore. We can't even sit down with somebody who's of a different faith or of a different faith and have a, a genuine conversation with them. Because we've been told our whole lives not to talk about that stuff. Which is interesting to me because the Bible says very clearly, well, not politics, but religion, you need to share your faith with people. And we'll end here in Romans one thirty-two. It says, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they know that decree. They not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. Even worse than participating in these things that as a society, we're approving these things. People are marching to make sure these things can happen. We're approving of this. Sexual promiscuity and, and ambiguity are championed today. Abortion is championed today. Love of yourself, you know, look out for number one. You ever read that on Facebook talking about, you know, I'm stopping and looking around looking after other people because every time I do I just get let down I'm going to look out for myself and then you get about a billion comments like yeah good for you way to go and the reality that's the 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 worst thing that you can do the Bible says that we should treat others as more important than ourselves that we should view others as more valuable than ourselves and sometimes that means you're going to get hurt sometimes that means you're going to get smacked around you might get taken advantage of but you know what it is so much more worth it to live that way than to live in a way where you think you're number one. Love of self is championed today. And the worst part is, is people ultimately know the behavior is wrong, yet they do it anyway. This is why we need to be made brand new. If you're not saved, if you don't have Jesus, we're going to find out later in the book of Romans where he talks about the nature of the two selves before you're saved and after you're saved. Before you're saved, you actually, it's impossible not to sin even if you agree with this stuff. Even if you agree with what God says is good, it's impossible not to sin without Jesus. This is why we need to be made brand new. This is why we need to have the, new, the heart of stone removed and replaced with the heart of flesh. This is why we need a new spirit inside of us. We need to be remade so that the issue of sin is not just covered over, band-aided over, but it's completely removed from us. We're bone broken, but there's hope. And church, if any of us find ourselves participating in this type of behavior, we have to remember this is not who we are anymore. It's who we used to be. Some of those things, you look at your old life, and you're like, yeah, I did some of those things. Remember, that's who you used to be. When Paul was laying out a very similar laundry list, I believe it was in uh, Corinthians, he says, such were some of you. And it's obvious that they were doing those things. That's why he was addressing them, but he reminded them, such were some of you. Basically, that's who you were. Quit acting like who you were. Start acting like who you are now. You're brand new, church. We can't control what other people are doing, but we can make sure that we stop living like who we used to be and live like who we are in Christ. Amen? Amen. Well, let's go ahead and bow our heads.